just lean on you today, this morning, Lord, as we lean on you, we thank you, Father, that your word shows up big on the inside of us. Your word is showing up big, getting people set free, people delivered, people redeemed, getting people back on track to where they belong. Say this with me, dear, dear Heavenly Father, I'm getting on track, I'm staying on track, and I'm staying in the flow of the overflow. Bless the Lord. All my soul and all that is within me, bless, bless his holy name. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm about ready to start running. I said, there is a flow from heaven that God wants to get you and I into. And many times, sometimes God wants us to get into that flow, but sometimes we can kind of fight a little bit what the Holy Spirit wants to do. You know, well, you know, maybe you had a tough week. Maybe you had a tough life. Maybe your lip just can't, it just naturally drags to the ground. Just pick that thing up. Pick that lower lip up. You, you don't have to live life like Eeyore and have Eeyore doctrine. You know, always everything you talk about is everything that's going on. Everything that's bad is going on. Everything that's going on work is bad. No, it, it, it takes a faith person not just to talk about all those natural things. It takes a person of faith that just calls those things that be not as though they were. So how is the workplace? It is going, it is well with my soul. I am the head and I am not the tail. Well, you have a boss. I didn't know you were in charge. Well, I am in charge of my area. I'm in charge of me. If, if, if you can't be in charge of anybody, be in charge of you. Amen. If you want life to change, you want life to get better, start being in charge of you. Start cleaning up your house. Start straightening out and organizing your garage. Start making changes in your natural world so the things, those natural things will help you on the spiritual end. Amen. They'll start helping you because then you'll be able to see and feel and, and think clearly. Particularly when you approach the things of God. I mean, anytime you approach the things of God, we ought to come, come with a mindset that here I am to receive. Now, we've been talking uh, for quite some time. We've been talking on the topic of, of God builds a man and how important it is to recognize that God is in the building of people. But more importantly, it was just not just deep. when God just uh, built a man. He just wasn't building a man at that point. He was also building a nation. He was building a people. He was building people's destinies. He was setting other people up for success. How many of you know your personal success is not just your success only? It's, yeah. it's going to be the success of your family. Yeah. He may put you, uh, uh, give you a heart's desire to go back to school and get your diploma. He may give you a, a, uh, give you a, uh, put it back in your heart to go back and get your college degree. And he may put it in your heart to, you know, to start a business. He, whatever he's putting in your heart, he's doing it because yeah. there's something there more that God has for you. Yeah. And see, when we sit and grumble and complain about what God is doing, how do you know God can't take you where you're grumbling? The children of Israel prove that. Prove that time again. You go, well, God ain't going to take me nowhere. Well, if you have that attitude, you're right. You're not going to go very far. If if if, if that that way of thinking worked with the children of Israel, how far? How look and look how far it took them. It didn't take them to the promised land. Grumbling and complaining didn't take them to the promised land. In fact, it kept them. It kept them out. And God's not in the keeping out business. You know, you know what, you know what, you know what prisons and, and schools are for? They're there to rehabilitate you. <laughs> That's I put the two together. <laughs> prisons and schools are there to rehabilitate you. 
They're trying to rehabilitate you, trying to get you out of trouble. I'm just saying that because they're school teachers here, and I'm just trying to, I'm trying to pick a fight later on. <laughs> uh, someone posted a picture of a prison kitchen and a, and a school kitchen, and the meals were the same. Uh, I go, that. I go, man, some people must have had a real tough childhood, man. <laughs> and see, here's the thing. You can always look at, man, like, you're always looking at something from the bad side. And when really thinking, hey, you know what? Good school was good for me. Yeah. My, my, you're just always looking at something to complain about. And God says, get rid of the past. Quit thinking on all the things that didn't go right for you. Start thinking about what God is doing, what God brought you from. When you focus on the goodness of God, more good, the more things just get better. And over here in Genesis, when we were talking recently about how God builds a man, we spoke about how Noah, God delivered Noah. And when God delivered Noah, God delivered him while he was living in an environment that did not trust God. That had, according to the scripture, had grown dark and evil. The sons of God had come, uh, those angels had come down and corrupted the land, corrupted society. And to such a point to where the scripture says that it was in the society's heart at that time to continually do evil and to think evil, to do and to think. And that darkness was great, according to scripture. And so God and yet God chose a man, Noah, who was who the scripture says he was perfect and he was upright. He was mature in the darkness of the world. So no matter how dark the world gets. No matter how depraved it gets, no matter how wicked the world gets, how many of you know that you can still live a righteous life in the midst of vulgarity, in the face of darkness? You you can be the one shining light in a city that says, no, I will not. And because Noah chose right, it delivered him. It delivered humanity, and it set many people free. Right. Right? right? And then we talked a little bit about Noah and his descendants, how his, he had three sons. We talked about a little bit about how, uh, you know, having gone through this, I can't imagine uh, losing everybody you know around you, humanity, because you still like people. You still have compassion for people. And so... I don't pick on Noah in any way for having a moment where he's, but he's had, Noah has a moment. And the scriptures talks about him being drunk and being in his tent. And for some reason, he wasn't clothed. And, um, and he was found in his tent, and his son walked through, and his son Ham saw him, and he ran out and he told his brothers. And here's the thing. People have always, in the past, I've heard people say that Ham did something uh, sexual with his father, but there's no, nothing scriptural that states that. We know that didn't happen. We, all we know is that he saw and he ran out and he told his brothers. Yeah. Does anybody know that the problem with that is that he was, he was, when he saw something wrong, he was quick to vocalize what was wrong with his fathers to his brothers. It was as if Ham was accusing his father, look, here's dad. The one who, our great deliverer, he's out drunk in a, drunk in a tent, bringing shame to him. Yeah. See, when we bring shame to others, shame will come back to him. 
if we look further into the life of Ham, we, we recognize that out of the lineage of Ham came Sodom and Gomorrah, one of the most wicked, wicked groups that God said as a nation that God could not, who could not save. God was able to save and, and turn around Nineveh, but he was not able to take care of Sodom and Gomorrah. Because like the children before the deluge, which means the great flood, like, like the children before the flood, their hearts too had become corrupted and dark. See, here's the thing. When we come and begin to live a lifestyle, when we're speaking evil and ill will of others, even talking about those shameful things that they do that isn't right, we ourselves are opening ourselves to a work of the enemy. Particularly because we're bringing shame to them. God is not in the business of bringing shame. In fact, the scripture talks about that God covers, um, God wants sin to be covered. And he, he covers our sins. And that we should cover, and we're not saying excusing people's sin. Now, if someone's out there doing something to children, my God, I will be there with my, with my belt along with a lot of other people. I mean, we don't put up with perversion against children or at all. There are some things you just got like, you've got to have that already made up in your mind. There's just some things. There's a standard. Okay? We're not talking about some guy who walked in a drunk who just came through a real horrible event, and you can't figure out why he's in a mess. We're talking about people who do things to children. If, you're, if there's somebody out there who's doing something to children, I, I pray that not only God take care of you, but be, take care of you, but he take care of you before I take care of you. Because as, an, as a person, there's just some things that we don't, lines that we don't cross. But at the same time, I say that because, um, you know, some people will go to extremes. Well, love, love covers a multitude of sin. Yes and no. Okay? We're not talking, we're not talking about that. What we're talking about is God, like, for example, if someone's doing something that's not right or whatever, that's not, I mean, I mean, we have to be really, really prayerful on these things. But at the same time, we're not out there just harming, harming destroying people's character, spreading gossip. Well, did you know? I mean, you don't know what God's going to deal with people in their heart. God is always dealing with people in their heart. He's working with people's hearts. He's in the business of helping people out of their situation and not leaving them in their current situation. God is your helper. He's not, he's not there to just keep you from getting to where you need to be. <clears throat> because God is in the miracle business and the saving business. How many know he always gives people of opportunity to turn things around? Even when he dealt with Saul, he always... It's like he gave Saul a test because even though he had chosen him to be his chosen man, he still had to pass the test of doing everything God told him. He did. People say, well, why did God tell God to, why did God tell Saul to kill all the uh, uh, Amalekites? Well, that is the dumbest question I've ever heard. If that tells me you didn't read your Bible. Because if you understood why he chose the Amalekites, because the Amalekites were attacking the children of Israel as they were leaving Egypt, when they were fleeing from uh, the Egyptians. And they decided they were going to turn around and attack. After they crossed the Red Sea, they decided they were going to attack. After you see some God delivering somebody miraculously through the Red Sea, now you want to attack them? And God said, and God never forgot that. And God said, we're going to deal with these people. 
and they finally dealt with those people, but that was Saul's job. His job was to get rid of every... God gave Saul a job. God gives you his word. And his word is not so that you can halfway complete it, partially complete it, do it somewhat, some way, just according to your best interpretation. He gives you something so that you can do it and follow it thoroughly. So that when Sammy showed up and said, he goes, what is going on? He goes, oh, yeah, well, you know, we, we, uh, we killed everybody like you said. He goes, no, you didn't. Because I hear the bleeding of sheep. I hear them, I hear them, you know. I can hear them in the background. Oh, yeah, I did everything. He goes, no, you did. And he goes, oh, and then they kept the king Agag. Wait a minute. I didn't tell, I told you everything. Yeah. There is something in humanity that wants to do something halfway or not all the way. Yeah. And they think that the partial obedience is somehow entitles them to, to the reward of full obedience. When Jesus said, I only do what I hear my father do. I only do yeah. and I only do what I hear and I see my father do and say. Yeah. I only do those things. I don't operate outside of that operation. And you got a lot of people that say, well, I try to do it. Wait a minute. In other words, you did it halfway and expected a reward. Uh-huh. I, I halfway gave and wanted to be re- fully rewarded on partial giving. Yeah. Partial obedience. Uh-huh. Partial obedience does not bring prosperity. Right. Scripture says a curse will not, al- will not alight on its own. Mm-hmm. That's Proverbs. In other words, problems aren't just going to happen just because, oop, it happened. No, problems happen as a result of not doing things thoroughly the way God told you to do it. Try to tell your wife, well, you know, I was somewhat faithful to you over these years. What do you mean you were somewhat faithful? I try to be faithful. That will not fly. Ladies, that will never fly. And here's, here's the deal. There's a lot. We live in a society where people are not following things wholeheartedly. Yes. We're living in a day and age where society is doing things halfway, but not all the way. They're not all the way out for God. They do, they, they, but they want the blessing of the Lord. They want the economic stimulus. Where's my stimulus check, Lord? Right? They want the healing, but they don't want to walk in love. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. I'll just go down to the Mormon church and preach to them. They might even receive what I have to say this morning. I know all of them tithe. In fact, a lot of them give 20%. So quit your complaining about your 10%. A lot of groups, they give 20. And we're just telling you to, be, to do the word. I can't believe God told, Pastor told me to walk in love. I just can't believe that. Well, yeah, God, because I want you to stay healthy. That's right. That's right. It's a royal law. Yeah. Walking in love yeah. is the royal law. Yes. You cannot escape walking in love. N- right. Nobody can. That's right. Psalms 105, verse 15 says, Though my touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. It's an important one that we get that. We don't talk evil about people in ministry. You may be absolutely right that that guy is funky. 
and may not know the word. You may be right, but you still don't say anything about that gentleman. You you, you do more safe to be safe by just keep it moving. Do you know people when they're in, in, in when they're in auto accidents? You know, a lot of time auto accidents happen after the accident has occurred. You know what? Most of the reason why is is because everybody's looking at the, what happened at the accident. So what are they doing? They're looky looing. It's best not to be a looky loo yeah. and try to take it all in. Mm-hmm. I run my own race. Mm-hmm. I got to keep my own affairs in order. Right. I got to make sure my head's up yeah. and watch my own path. You get in trouble when you're looking out at someone else's problems. Focus on your lane. Focus on your destiny. Focus, am I right with God? What corrections do I need to make? Am I living up to the word? Am I doing the word? You know, I've got so much of the word to do. I don't got time to be looking at anybody else's yard. Every day I got to clean my own house. Why am I going to spend time looking at your yard and like compare my lawn to your lawn? Yeah. Somebody be too busy, too busy about everybody, and, no, and so eloquently well read into your personal life. You should not, you should not know more about other folks than more about your Bible. Don't shut me down because I'm preaching real good. That that would be my notable quote for the day. You need to write that down. I'll get one like. <laughs> Oh, this was too personal, Pat. I'm gonna keep that. I'm gonna keep that sliding. I'm gonna pretend I got, didn't see anything, huh? And just because you pretend you didn't see something, just because you pretend you didn't hear something, doesn't mean you're not responsible to do those things. Just because they're not fitting or seem like, well, you know, we live in a modern age, does not mean that you're exempt from doing what is right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You guys still love me? I still love you. Come on. I'm not afraid of your faces. I've gotten over the fear of faces a lot a long time ago. Maybe Abu Bay. Maybe Ethan's. Maybe Seth. Seth, he's a character. Titus chapter three. Verse two says this. It says speak. Evil of no man, to be brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Speak no evil. Titus 3. It's right before Philemon. If you don't know where Philemon is, it's, it's right before Hebrews. Hebrews, Philemon, Titus. Speak evil of no man. What, what does it mean to speak evil of no man? Does anybody have a Greek concordance? You don't need a Greek concordance. You just know you ought not to do it. Sometimes we try to make over-spiritualize some things or exempt people from that, speaking evil of that person. Because they're a jerk. They're not nice to me, Pastor. They look at me funny all the time. Well, you've married them. Praise the Lord. But we have to have an attitude that has, that's full of grace, full of mercy. One where we don't speak of evil of any man, but we are not brawlers quick to enter into a fight. People think it's only physical, but how about verbal fighting? 
how about how about brawling in the sense of the nonsense like i'm gonna do a facebook war with you today i'm gonna get you in the feed today i'm gonna show you a thing i'm gonna i'm gonna talk you under i'm gonna all caps there you go i'm gonna all caps you today and we're gonna take it out on the streets of facebook come on that's not reality no, we are not to be brawlers. We're not to be out there fighting with everybody. No. It's not just about physical, I said, but it could be emotional. It could be argumentative. It could be disconnected. Boy, how does that word disconnected fit into that? Because you, you, you're like, I'm going to disassociate myself with that person. I ain't going to talk to you no more. I, I just got to get rid of all the toxic people. And then write it, write it today and get online. It goes, today I get rid of all the toxic people in my life. And you, you, you're the most toxic one of them all. Because you got a lot of everybody know you're going to get rid of all the toxic people. Everybody's all, they talking about me. They talking about me. I, I just laugh. I, I, heard, I heard one per, a person do a dog. I, said, I was just cracking up. Get online. Real serious look. You know, sometimes if you want to get healed, you just got to get rid of all them toxic people. Just got to get rid of all them toxic people because, you know, they, they slow down your life and you just feel their toxicity. Yeah, you're like, like one of the most toxic people I know. Here, the reality is we all have our moments of toxicity. Right? How many of you ever went swimming in, the, in, in a swimming pool with a lot of little kids? You know all of them are peeing in the pool, right? Right? Toxic. Toxic environment. I have a little, we have a little dog who likes to release some things. I'm going to get rid of all the toxicity in my life. Really, you're going to get rid of everything. You're going to be by yourself. You will, you will be by yourself. Because you're telling me there's not a moment where there's something in someone else's life that will remotely seem toxic. And then how, how the world has just got to somehow be built to, to, to accommodate you. That's basically essentially what you're saying. That the world must be somehow built around me. Because you're a, you're a light and a shiny, you're a, 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 you know, you sit in your high tower among all us little people, or us toxic people. Give me a break. We all have moments where we're, we're just, we deal, because we live in the natural world. Yeah. Yeah, we have our moments. Yeah. If someone's having a bad day, okay, he's having a bad day. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You've got to be okay with people having a bad day. Yeah. Now, if you're having 40 years of a bad day, you need to start getting over that bad day. <laughs> I'm just having a bad, you've had bad days for the last, you're on like a three-week bad day trip. And if, and if people who don't want to be around you and you're saying it's because they're toxic, maybe they just don't want to be around you because you're the one that's toxic. Well. I'm going to take off running. That's right, I said it. 
here's the thing. If, if we're really being honest with ourselves, we've got to ask, am I doing the word? Right. Am I putting other people on blast? Come on. No one would have known had you not said anything anyways. Why be the toxic one and let everybody know? If you're letting everybody else know, your chances are you might be the toxic one. I'm just saying, I'm not accusing. But it just it's one of those things that when you drive by the accident, you're like, I wonder how that happened. I'm not going to sit there and look at it too long, but I'm like, hmm, okay. And then I'll make a mental note of this. We need to do more making mental notes about not only the things we see, but ask ourselves, am I somewhere in that mix? Do I live that way in some way or other? I could ignore Pastor Maline and say about that I have a look on my face. But in all honesty, I better listen. I better listen to what she says because she is my wife. There are people around you that God puts in your life and your life there are there to help you. They're there to bring life to you. They're there to help you with your relationships. All right? Now, ladies, there's a fine line between helping and being a nag. All right? I'm not joking. I'm being very realistic. There's a fine line between being helpful and being a nag. And, you know, and, and, and the same thing with men. There's a fine line between don't interrupt me and being lazy. Right? You know, if you know something that's got to get done, just get it done. I, I, this is my time for men to say amen. They ain't saying nothing. There we go. Crud. I got some things I got to do around the house. Now, ladies, I'm going to talk about your honeydew list. We're gonna, I'm a, it's not. Hey, wait, 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 wait. It's not a positive thing. I shouldn't have to scroll five pages down your honey list. Holy cow. Why is, the, why is it the honeydew list never ends? It's always long. And another thing. No, I don't think what you said, that, one more, I don't think there's just one more thing. I think you're just gently adding to the pile. Come on. Well, this group is now getting lively. <laughs> this is how Holy Ghost services began. Did you know that? They were there in one accord. James chapter 2. Chapter 2. Did I say James chapter 2? Yes. That's classic Marcus. I meant James chapter 3. And Pastor Melina said, you're all the wrong chapter. I'm like, what? I'm looking straight down. James chapter 3. Verse 8. Now, I'm going to set this up, but I because the way this chapter is structured, I need to kind of... I'm going to jump ahead because over here in verse 1, it says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive their greater condemnation. He's talking about those who are, who are masters who really think they know it all, who really think they know the word. He goes, you know, if you think you're out there knowing everything and you're not going to be out there. Here's another thing. When did everybody become such an expert at everything? Having a critical thing to say about everybody and doing it right or doing it wrong. I, you know what I can't stand? I don't want people to listen to this online. I don't think it's cool for other people to go online and tell people how to spell. I say, continue to spell it wrong. Enjoy life. I, I, I love it when people spell things wrong and the other person says, and you have that one person, you spell and you use the wrong syntax. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. No one called you to be the hall monitor. 
We all hated the hall monitor. Right? Got the hall monitors. The hall monitors are okay. I'm the hall monitor. I was the teacher's pet. It's okay to be the teacher's pet. That means you were workable. People like the teacher. Let me rephrase that. The teacher liked you. I didn't say people. I said the teacher liked you. But God has not called us to go around pointing out everybody's wrongs and pointing out all their faults. We've got to be learned to have more grace. And when people make mistakes, okay, you made a mistake. Yes, that's right. Come on, that's good. Yeah, good, good. Come on, we want to live a lifestyle where we're not pointing. Do you want people to sit there over, your, over you and look at all the mistakes that you do, go to your house and just, we're going to have a field trip today and we're, we're going to go to Jose's house. We're going to look to see all that's wrong. And Jose's going to say, crud, I'm in trouble. He goes, I just started this church. What the heck? I didn't say enough for this sin. What did you do to me? Right? We're not designed to live life that way. Everybody's an expert on, on YouTube. Lifestyle experts. They're only 23 and they're an expert at life. Like, Whatever. And they've got books out. Hey, kudos to them. They've got books out. I would be embarrassed to even write a book until at least now I feel like I'm at the age where I might be able to write a book. Because now I know some things. I don't have to edit all my, my, my bad theories that I pushed on people. No, how about you living you? How about you keeping your eye on your own lane? God builds a people, an individual. He doesn't, he doesn't build you. And by the way, look at them. Now, it works when you're little, when you're looking at your siblings getting in trouble for something. You know, Ethan's got a, be- a lot of spanking. See, I ain't going to do that today. Yeah. <laughs> Sophia did that, and she said this. I ain't doing what Sophia said because she, she got in trouble. I'm not saying anything. Olivia did this. I'm not saying anything because what are we doing? We're always looking at something that somebody did. Well, I'm not going to do what she does because she'll... High and mighty. High and mighty. Got to get off our little mountain. Our, get off our golden perch. Come on, we, we really got to get off that golden perch. But, verse 8 says, But the tongue no man can tame. It is unruly, full of deadly poison. But I want you to know this. The tongue can be tamed, not with you doing it, but God helping you. Okay, let's just, just, just make that clear. Therefore, we with with therewith... Bless we God, even the Father therein curse men, curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. In other words, we're blessing men and cursing men with our mouth that God made. You're cursing and, and, and blessing a person that God made. You made that you made that person, and you're cursing what God made. Yeah. Out of the same mouth, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing, my brother. These things ought not be. Does a fountain send forth at the same place where sweet and water and bitter water come? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salty water and fresh. We have got to, to come to a healthy decision that we are not 
to be the judge of others. We can use our judgment that I'm not going to hang out with that person. I'm not going to, hey, they're, they're doing something wrong here. I mean, you know, Paul had to really confront this in the church because there was a man who had married his father's wife. One of his, one maybe his dad got remarried and he married his dad or took his dad's wife away from him. And God, Paul said, why are you thinking that, that this is okay? This is not okay. So there's moments in life where you're going to say, that's not okay. And we're not going to say that's okay. Okay. But at the same time, we're not going to be, you're like, Hey, I'm not, I, I, I can't hang with toxicity or bad behavior, but I'm not going to tell everybody, Hey, you know what, you know what brother and so-and-so is doing? Go online and let everybody know what brother and so-and-so is doing. Now, if someone comes in the church with a 40, (laughs) a a 40, you know what a 40 is. Come on, man. I have to say, I don't know what that is. You liars. Half my Mexican people say, exactly you know what a 40 is. You know what it is. No, he's innocent. He grew up. 40 is a 40 ounce of beer, and they bring it oh. in the church. He goes, oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. I've got to be mindful of the past I mean, and, and, as well as the future because not everybody knows the same things. You can go sneaking beer or drink, is eating food in the, in the seats. I'm like, hey, you don't do that in church, right? Yeah. So pastor's got to be able to talk. He goes, I can't believe pastor told me I can't bring my drink and my, my, my gut buster. They, they do they sell gut busters still? Are you the 40 ounce sodas? Big, is it a big gulp? Still a big gulp? You, you can't bring that stuff into church. Indy, you can't bring those stuff into the church. Pastor, I tried, man. I really tried. I love Andy. Indy's fun. But here's the thing as a believer, you know, there's got to be correction coming from the pulpit. But at the same time, you know, I don't have to tell everybody, hey, we don't, he's doing it right now, everybody. We ain't doing that anymore. Unless there's an epidemic of people bringing drinks and food in this, right? So we always have to draw these lines and have to expose what do we mean by what we say. Because there's some folks who leave. I felt rather confused from that service, what pastor was trying to say. And then when we leave the church, and could you believe that Andy Andy brought that bag of chips to church? And everybody's talking about it. Like, it's oh, that Andy boy, I can't believe he would do that. No, dude, just leave him alone, man. You know, we, we don't sit there and beride people, go over their faults, over their mistakes three weeks later. Hey, Andy, remember the time you brought that big, large bag of potato chips and pastor, <laughs> pastor had to tell you no big bag of potato chips? You remember that? And we're like, and you're constantly reminding him. Uh-huh. You know, I have a buddy of mine back in the day who I used to run around with in the world. And, and I, I run once in a while, I run him into Walmart. He goes, hey, man, remember that time? I'm like, and I'd have to relive my past. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I, do I remember? I'm, you're, you're bringing it all up to me. I was trying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get this in the blood. It's under the blood. And I said, hey, bro, I don't do that anymore, man. He goes, I go, that dude's dead. That, come on, man. You, you, you did the, oh, no, I'm, that dude's dead, man. You know, that's, that's, that was the old me. That's the dead me. I'm a new man now. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. That old man is no longer here. He's brown and delicious. That's old. And... That's a notable quote. Put down that notable quote. Praise the Lord. 
So the more that you and I walk with the Lord, the closer we walk with the Lord, it's going to be a lot less accusatory and looking to find fault with others. The last thing you want to do is, especially, I mean, I keep going out of Bible school. I'm saying this because you're Bible school people, is that you want to be critical of what churches do and don't do. Oh, they don't do that. That's very, and you look and you start putting this comparative. Do not compare. Do not step in. That is a tactic of the enemy. That'll get you off. That'll keep you from completing your destiny. I know people that when they go to churches, they're very critical of everything. The pastor, not Bible school students. I'm talking about people that I know that have just over the years that are critical of everything. When they go to a church, they're very critical of what this church is doing or that church is doing or what every church should be doing. You don't know what every church should be doing. There's people that go online. They think they, they're like, the, they're like they know the Bible and they think they know the word. And you don't know the word. If you knew the word, you'd know to shut your mouth and not put your mouth on folks. Even David, even when he was being assaulted and being chased around by Saul, he says, I will not touch God's anointed. Even when he was not in the wrong and he was in the right, he still shut his mouth. I'll tell you what, boy, that'll jerk the slack out of anybody. I mean, if the God used David, even with all his faults, and and David had to learn to shut his mouth and, and not even... Uh, bring a reproach against his master. Yeah. And he says, I will not touch God's anointed. Right. Even though the anointing had left Saul a long time ago. Yeah. And there was plenty of opportunity where he had his, he had his knife to his neck. Where he says, I could have taken you. I could have killed you. Saul, t- crocodile tears and say, I repent. But then turn around the next minute and try to kill him again. He, and people saw it. People even told, even people told David he was right. You should kill him. You're in the right. But here's the thing. Had he done it, I always thought, what would have, he, what would have happened had he done it? What he would have done is set, set a dangerous precedence, saying that when people are speaking evil against you, you can do them harm. Yeah. And see, Jesus did the same way. When people were speaking evil of him, he did them no harm. He just told them, look, you guys aren't thinking right. He, when he told the Pharisees and the Sadducees, even when they killed him, he, he still kept his talking straight. It's, is it impossible? No, it's not impossible to keep your talking and to, and to stay and to keep in your lane. Get out of the, get out of being the, the we, live in a, we live in a world where it's so easy to be a critic online. So easy. I remember watching something online and people were like, is he safe or is he out? Literally, it's, just, it's like a baseball. And I thought it was kind of cool. Oh, cool. See, if you're not, I'm watching the video, watching it slow. I go, well, it looks like he's, uh, looks like he's, and I watch it real slow. And I go, ah, look, yeah, it looks like he's definitely out. Yeah. And then you put, you put, you write it in the feed. So, oh, yeah, I think he was out. And everybody's all, and all of a sudden it turns into a war. You got old men in there arguing with you. Oh, he was just hilariously arguing over something so stupid, so dumb, so asinine. Something like, why would you argue? Who cares? It's just a game. There's things that we argue and get involved in. Who cares? Yeah. Who care? Why feed the hostility? Why take a moment out of the anointing of God yeah. just to feel the, feel the pleasures of a momentary argument? Yeah. Just so that you can pat yourself, oh, I think I won that argument. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't win an argument. It costs you. Yeah, it costs the anointing on your life. Yeah. It, 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 it depletes 
what God is trying to do in your life, which makes you irrelevant and makes you powerless. And you'll lose the anointing because you hear you are. You think you're anointed because you can talk good or you, because you can do this or that. God say, no, you're anointed because I put you, made you anointed. You're anointed because I, you only say what I told you to say. You're anointed because you, you, you see what I, you see what I do and you do it. And you, you only say what I tell you to say. That's what makes you anointed. That's what will make your life better. And st- let's stay in our lane because when God builds people, he builds a people that are aware of their responsibility 